Welcome guys to our fifth podcast in the Indian Market Story series where we're really happy to have you join us and we're hoping you know uh every week we're able to bring you engaging and exciting content and I think we've got some really interesting things planned for this week as well Absolutely. and some really interesting stories that we want to talk about um but before we jump into jump into what we have planned uh what's been going on in markets this last week I mean it's has it been great up up and down bad what's been going on So I think it's been more or less a flat week but uh, of course uh, last two trading sessions were exceptionally good and being the first week of the month we had a lot of momentum data coming through like automobile sales uh, GST numbers I think those GST number was really impressive at 12% higher year month on year, year on year and then we had the auto numbers which was slightly softer than usual especially exports have been hit across the board domestic market holding up but still semiconductor shortages persisting but clearly i think the sentiment was set by the way the adani group stocks moved i think they continue to remain very much in the news and they are really driving trader volume as well as investor interest at this point of time and fortunately i think they had some positive news flow over there where they were able to raise some funds and there was a large block deal also whereby a very marky investor came in to invest yeah, that's right i think that's very it's a very positive uh, development for the arani group and does kind of uh, build a bit of a floor on the stock price as of now yeah i mean other really interesting topics i think that came across in this in these last couple of weeks i think vedanta was in a lot of trouble for a little while uh vodafone idea has also been in trouble for a little while um i think vedanta in particular there was a lot of concern that the uh, the parent company which is i think vedanta resources would not be able to repay the debt that they've taken oh please let's not get into that it's still a very very solid company with a very decent credit rating but yes i think uh, that's true for all high debt companies that in times like this when money is really tight globally and in india and if you have debt to roll over then it does cause a bit of a consternation amongst the investors so i think that's what's happened over there but varun if i could just uh, give a minute or two about what is the correlation between debt market and equity market and uh, you know how that actual phenomena plays out is something which is very interesting and i'm sure the viewers would like to hear it so first of all varun i have great great respect for the players in the debt market they somehow always get it right they are prescient they get the problems in the economy with the companies well before the stock market comes to know the global financial crisis of 2008 was predicted first by the debt market specialist and we were all very bullish but then the problems unfolded accordingly so what happens in the debt market is that somehow they sense if a company is in trouble by looking at the uh, the kind of uh, bond rates of that company and at what rate they can insure the debt and there are other network effects within the debt market whereby the debt market players the investors come to know if a company is in a bit of a trouble spot i think that's what happened with vedanta over here that there was a sense that they may have a challenge in rolling over their debt doesn't mean that the company is defaulting it just means that the interest rates may be higher they may not get as much interest as before mm-hmm. so it's a bit of a challenge over there and uh, i think that's what played on the minds of the equity investors and then we had the traders coming into play and they just kind of you know uh, 
I think mm-hmm. as soon as traders come in the play, that's when the momentum for a stock really compounds, exactly, right? Yeah. So Absolutely. at that point, you're not really looking at uh, whatever whatever the fundamentals are. It's just going to move higher and further in whatever direction is already moving. Absolutely, I think that's what has happened over. Yeah. Here. So let's. I mean, that's I guess the theme of the of the podcast today is you know how debt really consumes companies and and uh, eventually eats them up. So I, I guess. To take a step back, why is debt, I guess, the kiss of death for so many companies? Why does it really, as an investor, why should we be avoiding highly indebted companies as a principle or as a concept? See, I think uh, ever since, um, you know, uh, the markets have been around, high debt companies have been perceived to be high risk companies. There's no two ways about it. And the reason for that is that you're taking on high debt because your basic business model is more capital intensive. And if a business model is more capital intensive, then your return on capital, return on equity is going to be lower. And therefore, it's not such an outstanding business if you have to keep on investing capital to generate growth. And actually, the best value creators, the multi-bagger stocks, are the ones which can create a great deal of revenue profits volume growth without taking on too much debt yeah so so it's almost i guess what you're saying is if the, if a company has i guess uh, 100 rupees in capital requirements if if a lot of that is on debt if you know 80 80 out of that 100 rupees is financed through debt then the returns left from those cash flows left for the equity capital holders is very little that's right and also the other issue is, you know, this rolling over of debt, servicing it. And if it's a cyclical industry as Vedanta is, then in the down cycle, the cash flows get impacted and you still have the expansion plans underway. You cannot just stop them in between. Mm-hmm. And therefore, the cash flow comes in the strain and you have to borrow more to just pay interest. So you, there is a risk of a company which has got high debt to so get into a inf- debt trap. Yeah, so it's, it's the inflexibility of that uh, of those interest payments as well, right? Exactly. If, if you're a fixed cost, yeah, yeah. If you're an equity holder in a highly cyclical, uh, then you know your dividend payouts, whatever cash flows you're generating, it can go up, it can go down, uh, and the price of the stock may go up, may go down, but it doesn't really affect your cash flows. But if you've got a lot of debt, if your cash flows are volatile, then all of a sudden to service that interest in a downtime, that becomes a compounding problem. It becomes that? a big challenge for the CFO. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm, I'm really, really, uh, you know, I don't want the CFO job of uh, Vedanta at this point of time. I think they have got many challenges. But I'll tell you one thing that uh, Mr. Anil Agarwal is a very savvy entrepreneur. He has survived many such uh, challenges in his life and come out uh, much stronger. So I'm sure this is just a passing phase for Vedanta. But let's talk about other companies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... Uh Actually, I guess before we move on to other companies, I want to dig into Vedanta a little bit. Maybe let's try and give our viewers a sense of what it is that's actually happening, where it is that the cash lies, where it is that the problems are emerging and, and, and what uh, what those problems look like. So I guess just to summarize the situation, um, the parent entity has a lot of debt uh, on its books and they have, two, uh, they have two companies in which they have substantial holdings, Hindustan Zinc, which they hold 65%. That's to the Indian company Vedanta Limited. Yeah, and, and Vedanta Limited. And uh, from what I understand of the, of the situation, um, they have cash lying in Hindustan Zinc, but their debt is on the parent company. Exactly. And the challenge is how do you move that cash from Hindustan Zinc to the parent company? Particularly without upsetting the minority shareholder in which is the government of India. Which is the government of India. 
yeah so that's a bit of a challenge and they've been trying to work around it in the past uh, they had passed a resolution for plain vanilla debt from hindustan zinc uh, to the vedanta the holding company but that was very badly received by the investors and uh, that particular plan was just squashed completely and now the recent proposal is to sell the international zinc business to hindustan zinc but that also the government has uh, shown objection to which i think was the trigger for the stock price yeah. to go down and i mean just i guess to to expand on that a little bit because i was looking at the the data historically over the last year to year and a half of uh, of particularly zinc prices copper prices raw metal prices because this is obviously a you know cyclical business and in the last year and a half particularly there's because of inflation because of supply chain constraints these raw material prices have been relatively elevated so i think the challenge here is the international zinc assets of uh of vedanta resources uh th- at least the value at which they want to sell them to hindustan zinc from what i understand is they're relatively overvalued they're trying to take more cash out of hindustan zinc than what those assets that hindustan zinc are buying is worth is that an accurate assessment of the situation see varun i have not gone so deep into it because generally my view has been very negative on all these commodity companies and we generally avoid them in our portfolios because of the cyclicality and the uncertainties around the kind of returns that they can generate but you know when it comes to such related party transactions the street does view it with a lot of suspicion and i think that's what has happened over here but uh, you know to give credit to the management when the up cycle was there 2 3 years they had managed to reduce a lot of debt and uh, they had used the cash flows uh, quite diligently to improve the quality of the balance sheet but still on a total quantum basis the debt is still i think about 11 billion if i'm not mistaken at, at the at the holding company level as on september 22 and they of course want to reduce it but that's kind of work in progress just now yeah well i mean do you see any any ways out of this situation for vedanta because it's not a, it, at least from the outsider's perspective it's not a case of the money not being there within the overall you know uh network of entities is the question of how do you move money in an efficient way between those entities to service that debt is that i mean so w- w- i guess what's the path forward here see i think it's very challenging to get the money out from hindustan zinc uh but eventually i think the debt market will come to the rescue the cost of interest uh, the cost of debt the interest rates may go up for the vedanta group but they are uh, i would say not that over average that they will not be able to manage this particular uh, situation they are in so i'm pretty optimistic of the group and uh, frankly i think the way the stock price has corrected it may provide a bit of a trading opportunity if you see a mild improvement uh, in the in the end product prices but you know that's something which a trader is better off but we are catering more to the investors here All right. So, I guess moving on from Vedanta, let's talk about, you know, I guess cases when this has gone wrong. And uh, you know, looking at the recent news flow Vodafone idea is a is a company in particular where uh I guess ever since Jio launched, things have gone quite badly wrong for them. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh the merger of uh Vodafone and uh, Idea was uh, really very well received by the market. it created a giant telecom company with 40% thereabout market share 
and about uh, 400 million subscribers exactly. at the point of merger i believe that's right but then reliance jio came in and jio followed this strategy of offering free services free data free calling and that they were able to gain huge market share from bharti airtel and more so from vodafone because they just could not compete with a free service and uh, they would bundle it with the actual telephone uh, the cell phone as well and reliance jio was very aggressive when it came to marketing and eventually they got the market share and then they started charging for the plans but by then i think uh, vodafone was already in a lot of trouble yeah now there are two three very important elements to understand about the vodafone journey for one the parent company other the partner company vodafone plc uk they have had a very bad experience in india because they were charged capital gains in one of the transactions we did and even after they won in the supreme court the government went and changed the uh, the act and you know they got into he was that uh, retroactive taxation yes, case yes, all, the, right. all the so that uh, because of that vodafone management took a categorical decision that this is it we are not going to invest any more in any indian venture at all and to the extent that they have a stake in indus towers and there was a proposal that you sell the stake in indus towers because that's a nice solvent company it's got great dynamics and use that money to invest into vodafone idea but still they're not uh, you know they're not uh, inclined to do that and that's the big problem because while the birla group may be looking at investing and they may have they have committed to invest 5000 crores but uh, vodafone is just not uh, 5000 crores a drop in the bucket you know i mean if you look at the overall capital requirements of vodafone idea i believe they owe about uh, over 40 50000 crores to the government and there's a demand for an additional 40 50 50000 crores to for build up 5g yeah. infrastructure so I don't see how five thousand crores. I mean, it seems like a yeah, that's right. But you know, it's it's capital, and they can leverage it, which is what they are trying. And then you know, once you get the ball rolling, you can get external institutional investors to invest in the equity of the company. But really, I'm I'm very very um, uh, disappointed with the way Vodafone has played out. And uh, clearly, I think the government did step in with many steps. Uh, and many uh, kind of solutions i think they're not the largest shareholder or will be the largest shareholder right. once they convert that debt to equity right. but i do not see a way out for vodafone over here <clears throat> and uh, we have to be really open to the fact that the company may go under and then the subscribers may have to cut themselves into some of the existing operators because there's only so much the government will do and if it doesn't get money very quickly then there's going to be more trouble over there and the stock price clearly is reflecting it the government bought it at 10 rupees but still the stock is trading at sub 7 rupees so it's a challenging time for vodafone and it's a classic case where there was a lot of debt on the company lot of requirement to invest in the capital assets at a time when the industry was facing intense competition so like a perfect storm for vodafone high debt need to invest in the capital in, in capital equipment and your cash flows were getting smashed your subscribers you were losing on a monthly basis so i think everything which could go wrong went wrong went for wrong, Vodafone, yeah. unfortunately yeah well i guess uh, that's the vodafone story that's right but uh, you know it's not always 
a perfect storm of events it seems like that that uh, that forces debt onto a company and and causes it to go under um i think a, another example that we've spoken about where it's, it's not necessarily the company that goes wrong but the promoter's decisions that go wrong is z group That's um, right z group so really unfortunate story. terribly terribly unfortunate story so mr subhash chandra was is and is a uh, quite a visionary he got india's first uh, telestrial channel the z means telestrial telestrial means from the satellite straight beamed onto your set top box and into your homes and that was the first time we could have a choice of channels and private sector went into media in a big way and back in 2000 z was really one of the top performing stocks at that point of time in the tmt boom and uh, they got the entire market uh, you know really rooting for them because they were ahead of their times and they kept on investing a lot into z but the problem really started when the management started to look at investing into infrastructure uh, but that was not in the books of the z the listed company z entertainment it was in their personal private companies and when they could not service those debts that is when they had to use the their stake in z to service those debts a lot of it then got sold off as well to repay those debt and as of now uh, the subhash chandra group hardly has any holding in z it is entirely borne by the institutions and one institution invesco was very disappointed with the re- with the returns and therefore uh, they wanted to uh, eject the present uh, ceo punit goenka and uh, the only choice therefore left for punit was to get a merger into sony and that's what i think the way it uh, played out over there so they're looking at merging into sony but that's getting delayed continuously in the meantime there's a huge disruption within the media industry because of ott players and z's performance also has been subpar advertising revenues have lagged so although z still z entertainment still has a has a has a you know i would say decent future the promoters i think they are it's such recovered. a shame you know because if you think about it from almost a 1000 foot perspective if you step back right over the next 10 20 years just the demand for entertainment as a, at a human level is continu- is going to continue to go up and if the promoters had just waited a little bit they could have used that capital and reinvested into zin they could be a a leading ott player at this point bad decision one other decision bad decision comes to mind is what happened with vijay malya when he got into aviation yeah yeah he yeah he also lost his companies and those were gems yeah united breweries united spirits were yeah, gems they were cash cows if i'm not exactly. mistaken yeah and they built i think they built uh, you know brands that lasted several generations kingfisher is is evergreen brand in india exactly. you know so that's another case of uh, bad decision making by a promoter as was the case with mr subhash chandra as well well i mean that's not the only uh, that's not the only case i mean it seems like there's this pattern here but you know one story that i want to touch on is the tale of two brothers almost you know the reliance industries and reliance adag That's where right. you had you know one both companies started out with a lot of debt uh one is all is quite obviously with it away and is not quite prominent and the other is flying high um why don't we break down what happened with reliance adag i guess to understand you know where things went wrong and where what bad decisions were made and sort of try and contrast it with how reliance industry sort of pulled themselves out of that debt hole 
That's why I think uh, really the saga between the two brothers and the Reliance Group uh, is, is a fabulous case study. Uh, for all family-run businesses, as well as from a management and a financial perspective as well. So after the demise of uh, Dhirubhai Ambani, who was uh, a leading entrepreneur and created a great deal of wealth, there was uh, a split in the empire. It was an equal split, where Reliance Industries went to Mukesh Ambani, and the telecom business, the power business, and the financial services business that went to Anil Ambani. But those businesses were smaller than the pure refining plastic, the oil to chemical business of Reliance Industries. So there was a lot of capital or cash also given to Anil Ambani and the Anil Ambani group companies so that he could use that particular cash to grow the businesses, to acquire new businesses. And uh, at some point of time, I was there when the Anil Ambani group. Uh, was born and Mr. Anil Ambani came on the stage and announced uh, sort of the his business plan and his vision. And I clearly remember him saying that uh, the really the sunrise industries were the financial services industry with Reliance Capital with him and the telecom industry. And he was very positive on the media industry. So these were sunrise industries. At that point of time, there was a lot of uh, investor interest and a lot of fancy around these businesses because they had great growth momentum. But uh, what happened was a complete nightmare for, for the ADAG group companies. And uh, the real reason for that, if you were to pin it down, is cash flows. So while the split was equal at, in, on asset basis, maybe on profit basis and whichever parameter, but Reliance Industries had the cash flow from the refining and the plastics business. And the Anil Ambani group companies were always negative cash flow because the businesses were such, they were nascent businesses, they need a lot of investment and there were certain regulatory constraints as well, especially in Reliance Power which was in Reliance Infrastructure as well. So the power infrastructure was highly capital intensive, telecom business also capital intensive and a lot of competition coming in over there, media business was not that big a pie. But nonetheless, you know, it required its own capital and it required its own servicing over there. So what happened was that because of the lack of cash flows, uh, the companies got into a debt trap. And one by one. So by I, have, one I have a question here in particular, because I remember this, uh, this saga playing out in the Supreme Court as well. That's right. Because we, we talk a lot about the cash flows. And I believe one of the key agreements was that Reliance Industries would supply gas to Reliance Power. And I think 2.8, something right, yeah. uh, dollars per MMBTU. Uh, but the government price set was 4.2 dollars per MMBTU. And I mean, it seems to me like that decision in particular effectively shifted a lot of cash flow from what could have been, you know, Reliance Pass cash flows to fund their, their growth to Reliance Industries. Um, do you so think that was a big setback, Warren, no doubt? But there were a lot of mistakes made also. And unfortunately, the telecom business also got hit by intense competition. And eventually, Reliance Industries also got into the free over there. Mm -hmm. And of course, the entire power business was impacted because of this particular issue. And power is a long gestation business and a lot of uh, constraints are there, a lot of controls are there at what price you can sell the power. 
you needed power purchase agreements there were delays in implementation a lot of very working capital intensive because i guess your key purchases are the discounts and you know they're not going to pay out until the exactly. dogs come home exactly so a lot of things went wrong and uh, you know banks uh, banks investors all of us took a hit because of uh, i would say uh, bad fortune and mistakes combined together which uh, resulted in the edg group completely imploding really sad story but you know i guess maybe let's contrast it with how those those cash flows are used by reliance industries because i mean reliance industries in particular is flying high right now yeah, so absolutely. how exactly absolutely. did reliance industries get out of that and avoid that debt trap completely so you know the thing about uh, reliance industries is that um, you have to hand it over to mukesh bhai uh, truly a visionary and uh, a clear successor to dhirubhai where reliance industries for many years also was under the kind of a cloud of debt not that they had any problems servicing that debt ever but the street always perceived that the balance sheet had too much debt on its books and uh, the return on e- return on equity return on capital was on the lower side and reliance industries was uh, adding capital assets at a breakneck speed they invested very heavily into telecom they invested very heavily into retail as well and that was sucking had taken up a lot of capital of the company and therefore the stock price for many years i think went sideways almost 8 to 10 years went then from 08 to 2017 almost it, it right. pretty much went nowhere that's right 17 18 because the markets did well it of course did well as well the stock but the inflection point was from 2019-20 onwards and the clear inflection point was when he started selling stake first in reliance geo and thereafter in reliance retail as well to a clutch of foreign investors and strategic investors uh, like facebook and many marquee investors came i believe uh, i don't remember this accurately but i believe there was a point when aramco was very interested in investing in reliance industries that didn't work out we yeah. were, didn't work out your nice for uh, <laughs> sure remember but it's always in the past now uh, that didn't work out because aramco had its own set of issues and then the oil markets also went into a tizzy but uh, that was the smartest thing which reliance industries did is to dilute capital at very fair valuations and all of a sudden we all discovered the kind of value that was created it deleveraged the balance sheet significantly and then you've seen the stock price go up yeah. and hopefully so. hopefully our viewers at this point will hopefully try and put it up but hopefully at this point our viewers will be able to see how over the last what 12 10 12 years how the the price of reliance industries is grown exponentially in particular when their debt to equity has come down that's right so hopefully we'll be able to put that up uh but yeah that's i mean that's that brings me to i guess uh the final the final point of discussion uh for our po- podcast today I'm really bringing it full circle back to adani uh and the news that they have raised 15000 crores i think 1.9 billion from gqg partners it seems almost like they're replicating that strategy of equity exactly. dilution that's a very it's, it's a very uh, uh keen observation that they were also trying to go the reliance way where they had created assets just as reliance had created reliance geo and had created reliance retail they had created a whole host of assets performing assets and then and it was a lot out of debt no doubt about that 
but now they were trying to raise equity so that they could improve the quality of the balance sheet and uh, you know uh, reduce some of the debt and thereby improve the profitability and the ipo in adani enterprises was a step in that direction the fpo you mean yeah but and that didn't work out and yeah. then rest is history i guess yeah. at this point but you know what what i guess i, I find really interesting is i think the fpo target was 20000 crores nearly 2 <coughs> billion dollars and uh, i think that would have reduced their overall group debt by about 10 12% and obviously that's not really gone anywhere but against that they've raised 1.9 billion dollars is through direct stake sale uh, which will effectively reduce you know group debt by about 10% at a much worse valuation for the for the founders but still it seems like you know that impact of that failed fpo is it fair to say that that's almost sort of disappeared from a financial perspective or is it still pertinent see i think that this particular um, transaction with gqe is a very important one and it could get followed up with many such transactions and if they're able to get the sovereign funds and some of the marquee investors to invest directly in the company or acquire stake from the adani family then i think uh, a lot of the fears around adani group will recede i mean let's just put the adani problem in perspective forget about all the regulatory issues uh, which are there there are two problems from market perspective high debt high valuation valuation high valuation part of it has got corrected but i still think there's a long way to go over there but a lot of it may come because of rising profits over two three year period and high debt is something which has to be managed through equity dilutions fresh capital raising especially at a time when debt markets are under constraint the way they are and we spoke about vedanta group one of the problems is because of the debt market so let's see how that plays out and uh, if if i think they're able to manage uh, raising capital equity capital then i think they would be out of the woods yeah. well i think uh, that's a great note to end this podcast on because there's a lot for you know our viewers to to wait and watch in the coming months and weeks um and hopefully we'll check in next time round on on how vedanta has done and you know what they've managed to overcome this this uh, i'll tell you what, i want to end on one note uh, the thump on the table before investing in companies which have got high debt be extremely cautious and careful and i would say that you know you, you want to bat on wickets which favor the investor and those wickets if you were to name comp- uh, equate them to companies they are companies with low debt and high return on equity fantastic let's end it on that note and uh, it seems like our key takeaway well we hope you enjoyed the podcast and we hope you know there's some really interesting insights for for everyone to take from this um and we'll see you next time absolutely look forward to your feedback